1 John chapter 4 will be our text. Again, thank you for the wonderful accommodations. The basket is indeed overflowing and abundant and going to cause me trouble. Um, and uh, I can't be doing this. I told my wife, I said, I got to stop eating potato chips. Uh, but, but you put kettle chips in there, and that's, that's, that's my, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even read the back of the pack because I just by faith, God, I'm doing your business this weekend. You want to handle it. You said I could walk on serpents. I'm assuming potato chips is no problem for you. <laughs> Amen. So y'all just let me believe that whether you do or not, I'm going to believe the Lord. Amen. First John chapter four and I'd like to read one verse in your hearing tonight and then I'll you be seated and we'll read a few more, but First John chapter 4, verse number 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Amen. Now, before you clam up and think, what a Sunday night message, just hang with me a little bit. But I want to preach to you on this thought. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. If you're new here, just let me tell you something. There's a reason you feel what you feel tonight. It's because there is a shepherd in this house that's staying true to this book. I've come to lift up the hands of your man of God tonight. Amen. I've come to let the devil know this is God's church. And we ain't looking to change. We ain't looking to back up. We ain't looking to slow down. Amen. This train is bound for glory. There's coming a day, pastor, they can have this building because we ain't going to need it. There's coming a day. Anybody excited about heaven tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Don't believe the lie. 1 Peter chapter 1 and starting at verse number 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Anybody grateful that you know who Jesus is tonight? As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, verse 15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Everybody say, God cares about what I'm saying. Amen. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And go with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 8. Wherefore, I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him, for to this end also did I write that I might know 
the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. Verse number 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. There has been and there will be until, until the coming again of our Lord and Savior. There has been an attempt and an ongoing effort by all the forces of hell to try to dilute, to try and uh, uh, bring some sort of watered-down version uh, of who God is and what it means to be in communion with him to the world that we're living in. The world that we are living in today is constantly seeking the lowest common denominator. Trying to get us to buy in to the lie that says that everybody is on the path to the same place. It is no doubt that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And for that we are grateful tonight that we have that promise and we have that hope that lies within us that there was a savior that there is a savior that came to and, and bled and died for us but we live in a world in which there is constant effort put on trying to get an advantage over us everywhere you look whether it be in business whether it be uh, uh, just in conducting your business from day to day on your job at your school there is always somebody seeking an advantage against you there is always somebody looking for that leg up that 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 attempt to somehow get uh, uh, the win over you and it is in our quest for God and our quest to to know him that we realize that there is a, a war that is going on. There is an effort that is being made by the devil himself to try and send word to us. There are false prophets that are at work in our world. Through the advent of media and social media and whatnot, we, we understand that on every corner and at every turn you can find somebody that is uh, constantly uh, spitting out some sort of garbage from hell. Somebody that is constantly looking for a platform and a way to take advantage of that platform. And yet I've come tonight to preach to you and to lift up the voice uh, or the hands rather of your pastor that there is but one true living God and there is but one Bible there is but one word there is but one way one truth one life there is no other way in a world of multiple choice it is true or false either God is God or he is not God Jesus is not the second person in some fictitious trinity but he is God manifest in the flesh Am I still in a one God church that loves this truth? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. And so at the very onset tonight, 
if you'll allow me to take a liberty, I would like to lay a little foundation that I did not find in the Bible, but I found in a story that I heard when I was just a young child. Once upon a time, on the banks of a great river in the north of Germany, lay a town called Hamlin. The citizens of Hamlin were honest folk who lived contently in their gray stone houses. The years went by and the town grew very rich. Then one day an extraordinary thing happened to disturb the peace. Hamlin had always had rats and a lot of them too. But they had never been a danger for the cats had always solved the rat problem in the usual way by killing them. All at once, however, the rats began to multiply. In the end, a black sea of rats swarmed over the whole town. First, they attacked the barns and the storehouses. Then, for lack of anything better, they gnawed the wood, cloth, and anything at all. The one thing they didn't eat was metal. They terrified citizens began to flock to, to plead with the town councilors to free them from the plague of rats. But the council had for a long time been sitting in the mayor's room thinking, trying to plan what to do. What we need is an army of cats, but all the cats were dead. We put down poison food then, but most of the food was already gone and even poison did not stop the rats. It just can't be done without help, said the mayor sadly. Just then, while the citizens milled around outside, there was a loud knock at the door. Who can that be? The city fathers wondered uneasily, mindful of the angry crowds. They gingerly opened the door, and to their surprise, there stood a tall, thin man, dressed in brightly colored clothes, with a long feather in his hat, and waving a gold pipe to them. I've freed other towns of beetles and bats, the stranger announced, and for a thousand florins, I'll free you of your rats. A thousand florins, exclaimed the mayor. We'll give you 50,000 if you can succeed. At once, the stranger hurried away, saying it's late now, but at dawn tomorrow, there won't be a rat left in, in Hamlin. The sun was still below the horizon when the sound of a pipe wafted through the city streets of Hamlin. The Pied Piper slowly made his way through the houses and behind him flocked the rats. Out they scampered from doors, windows, and gutters. Rats of every size, all after the Piper. And they played, and he played rather, the stranger marched down to the river and straight into the river. Up to his middle, Behind him swarmed the rats, and everyone was drowned and swept away by the current. By the time the sun was high in the sky, there was not a single rat left in the town. There was even greater delight at the town hall until the piper tried to claim his payment. Fifty thousand florins, exclaimed the counselor. Never! A thousand florins at least, cried the pied piper angrily. But the mayor broke in. The rats are all dead now, and they can never come back. 
So be grateful for 50 florins or you'll not get even that. His eyes flashed with rage. The Pied Piper pointed a threatening finger at the mayor. You'll bitterly regret ever breaking your promise, he said, and vanished. A shiver of fear ran through the counselors, but the mayor shrugged and said excitedly, we've saved 50,000 florins. That night, freed from the nightmare of the rats, the citizens of Hamlin slept more soundly than ever. And when the strange sound of piping began to move through the city streets at, at dawn, only the children heard it. Drawn as by magic, they hurried out of their homes. Again, the Pied Piper paced through the town. This time, it was children of all sizes that flocked at his heels to the sound of his strange piping. The long procession soon left the town and made its way through the wood and across the forest till it reached the foot of a huge mountain. When the piper came to the dark rock, he played, he played his pipe even louder till, uh, still, and a great, uh, a great door creaked open. Be beyond lay a cave, in trooped the children behind the Pied Piper. And when the last child had gone into the darkness, the door creaked shut. A great landslide came down the mountain, blocking the entrance to the cave forever. Only one little boy escaped his fate. And it was he who told the anxious citizens, searching for their children, what had happened. And no matter what people did, the mountain never gave up its victims. Many years were to pass before the merry voices of other children would ring through the streets of Hamlin. But the memory of the harsh lesson lingered in everyone's heart and was passed down from father to son through the centuries. It was sociologist Peter Berger, among several others, that has long suggested that the modern world is being shaped by three deep and very fast-moving cultural currents. The first is secularization. The second is pluralization. And the third is privatization. These are big words, but they have even bigger meaning. It is within the words and the ideas that we find the key to the largest growing in the world, the largest growing religious segment of society among those that are under the age of, of, of 40. It's called the nons. These are people that have no interest in the pursuit of God. They have no strong set of beliefs. It's not that they are atheists. It's just that they don't believe it's important. And they're just not religious folk. The English word for secular is derived from the Latin saeculum, which means this present age. The contemporary term secular is, is descriptive. It, it, it is referring to that which is divorced from religious or spiritual sensibility. 
It is the process by which something becomes secular. It is the cultural current making things secular that were once holy. It is this definition of secularization and the process by which sectors of society and culture are moved or removed rather from the domination of religious institutions and symbols. And the effect of the process is that the church in some cases has and I'm not referring, I'm referring to the religious world, not the apostolic church. But the church has, has seen its loss of influence as a shaper of life and of thought processes in the wider social order. And Christianity as a whole has started losing its place as the dominant world view. We are living in a post-Christian America. Like it or not, it is the realities and we are living in a world that is pushing back against all things that this blessed Bible of ours has to say. It is trying to dumb down and somehow uh, push all of us into the current and the flow of secularism. It wants us to believe some things. We live in a very naked public square, which simply means that, that things of religious uh, ideas or mores are no longer uh, able to inform public discourse the way they used to. It is the encouragement there has been as a whole Christians and Christianity that has ceased to be the motivating center of Western life. The religious question is consciously or unconsciously pushed from the heart of human concern and the institutional forms of Christianity have and are undergoing revision at the hands of philosophies that have been devised to convince us that good or that the good of man is to be found on this earth we are living in a world that is pushing ideas we are living in a world that does not want to have to be tied off to the absolutes of god's word and are trying its best hell is trying its best today i thank god that i'm standing in a church that provides a christian school and a place for our children to be able to come and not have to worry about all of the crazy wokeness of our world thank god for a safe place oh, hallelujah. i said thank god for a safe place where our babies can grow up amen and they can come into god's house on a daily basis and call out to the name of the lord they may not let you take your bible to public school but thank god for a place where you can still take your bible i feel like preaching tonight if you'll let me amen i feel like i feel like shaking my fist tonight at the devil and let him know that the weapon may be formed but it ain't gonna prosper
Can I tell you this? Berger was wrong in this one sense. That faith being privately, this idea that faith being privately engaged, engaged is where it's at. Let me just tell you, if you engage it privately and never publicly, it becomes culturally irrelevant. You got to be willing. You got to be willing, amen, to go ahead and speak what you believe and what you know that is right. There's some things that are holy and they're always going to be holy. There's some things that are right and they're always going to be right. It just doesn't matter how much the push comes. And, and, and the pressure comes upon us as parents and as churches, amen, and as youth groups and as different uh, uh, bodies of believers. Can I tell you, now is not the time to try and, 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 and become more like the world and the dogma that they are spitting out. There are some things that are holy and we are happy about it tonight. We celebrate the fact that we serve a holy God. And it's an honor, it's an honor to be holy, amen. Not only is it a commandment, be ye holy, for I am holy, but what a privilege it is to be a child of the king. If there's ever been a time that you ought to stand up and square your shoulders and be grateful to be one of his, it is now. There's never been a better time for you to go against the flow of what the world is spitting out. The stronger the current, the stronger that salmon becomes. I've come to tell you, swim and swim against the current. It's not going to hurt you. It's going to make you stronger. We need young people that have their nose in the book, that know the things that are holy. It's not enough for my youth pastor or my pastor or my bishop to preach the word to me. I have a responsibility to study and show myself approved unto God. Can I preach about Bible reading? It's a good time to get yourself back in the book. Oh. Woo! May be seated. 66 love letters it is that he loved me enough to give me. And if there's one thing that I don't want to do is I don't want to lose in this crazy old world that I'm living in, I do not want to lose, amen, the absolutes of God's word and the viability of that word in my life. Amen. I am serious about wanting to engage in a public fashion. Amen. My faith toward God. I'm a, we used to sing a song. I'm a one God apostolic tongue-talking, holy roller, born-again, heaven-bound believer in the liberated power of Jesus' name. I've been washed in the blood, sanctified by the Spirit. 
I believe in holiness and I suggest you do the same. I was set free at a Pentecostal altar on my knees. So pardon me if I'm not ashamed to be a one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy roller, born again, heaven-bound believer in the liberated power of Jesus' name. Shine, apostolics, shine. It's time for the church to be the church. You ought not feel weird about walking in your long dress. Amen. Ladies, you ought not feel weird about not cutting your hair. You ought to thank God you go to a church that still preaches the absolutes of God's word. I feel like preaching. Amen. I said I feel like preaching tonight. Amen. We're not going that direction. We headed toward heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Beliefs don't exist in a vacuum. They need to be nurtured. They need to be reinforced. A secularized world no longer offers opportunities like what we are experiencing tonight. That's why church attendance is so important. Uh Yeah, Sunday's not just another day. We still believe it's the first day of the week and it's the week that we come to give God our very best. Tithing is more than just your money. It's your time. And I'm giving him the first fruits of my day. Come on, by you being here, you've already settled that in your life. That Sunday's not the day that I go to the ball game. And Sunday's not the day that I stay home and wash my car. But Sunday's the day in which I give back to God. I got seven days this week and I get to give him twice on Sunday some of my time. Hallelujah. You may be seated. There's not only this push for secularization, but there's a push push on for privatization. Privatization is the process by which There's a chasm created between the public and the private spheres of one's life. And spiritual things are increasingly placed within the private arena. And when it comes to things like business and politics and even marriage, home, personal faith, we are told to bracket those off. Now, I realize I'm not in California get it I'm not preaching the wrong message because the push is on everywhere we everywhere we're living it's real and this process of privatization if it's left unchecked it makes and reduces down salvation to a matter of personal preferences And it trivializes them right down to matters of taste. 
or preference or options as if you're shopping for a car. It is the influence of privatization that is having a profound, profound effect upon our world. And we know that faith does not simply have a new home within our private life. We, I don't know how it was here, but, you know, COVID was, was quite a deal. It was quite a, quite a deal. And, uh, again, I don't know what it was like here, but we had some interesting things happen in uh, Los Angeles County where I am privileged to pastor. We were taken out of our sanctuary for three months. I had police showing up to count. We could have seven people in our sanctuary. At the time, my wife and I and my children were living in an apartment at the church. And my wife, because of this number restriction, my wife and children could not come into the sanctuary and so they had to sit and listen like everybody else through the stream for us to be able to stay in some sort of uh, harmony with our local police department. It was at the end of the three months that I called up my, my police uh, captain, sergeant. I said, listen, we've gone as far as we can go. I'm doing everything just the way you said it. He said, Pastor, I understand. This is unprecedented. He said, can't you do drive-through church? I said, we already tried that. I mean, how lame can you get? You know. Here, I'm going to give you a message, and you're going to deposit your, your, your offering, and, and uh, I'm going I'm to give you a, a, you know, a, a, a wave from six feet away. I mean, you got to give me a break. Yeah, ridiculous is, is, is the understatement of the year. And I said, listen, this is what we'll do. I said, I'm, I want to I have church outside, and here's what we want to do. We're gonna, I'm going to go. We rented a huge stage, and I went and bought a bunch of, I spent all kind of money. Bought a, a big sound system and everything else, and I said, listen, we're going we're gonna to do this. We, we, we bought trees and decorated the outside so it looked, it looked awesome. And I don't know of anybody that did it any better, but we, 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 we just, because we believe the kingdom of God is excellent in everything it does. Yeah. You ought to thank God for excellency in your leadership. Oh, Hallelujah. And so I'm going somewhere. I promise I'm going somewhere. And uh, so we went outside, and for, for seven months we had church outside. Seven months. Rain, shine, it was a mess. We had tents out there for a while, big tents. We had to go purchase. And, and then them tents, you know, just couldn't handle the beating that they were taking. And anyways, finally we, we went back inside. I called them. I said, that's it. I, I, I've done everything I can do. I'm going back inside. But through that process, we, we became, thing, the, the landscape changed in America and around the world. 
And the concept or the, the idea of worshiping God in the privacy of your home and not congregating together became kind of the thing, right? It was kind of like the buzz words. And, and listen, I'm not here to meddle with anybody, but there is no replacement for coming together with God's people. There is no replacement for you sitting next to somebody else and feeling the power of Almighty God. And some of that stuff just wouldn't come through our stream. Maybe, maybe it's different in Indiana, but, but in L.A., it, it was just getting lost in the static of all of the, all the noise of our world. I had ministers that... That, 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 that I thought was strong. I had a man that I thought was strong. And, and, uh, and the next thing I knew, he was, he was strung out on meth. And he had gone back because you can't, just, uh, you can't just mail it in every week, week after week, and think that somehow you can make this a private sort of affair. There's something powerful about the public declaration that I'm going to God's house and I'm standing amongst God's people and I'm not going to be private about this, but I'm going to be public about this. I'm grateful for the opportunity to gather tonight and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to let it be known this is who I am. We're being told, we're being told all over. It's probably different in L.A. than it is here, but it's good for you to hear this. We're being told, we got, we got young ladies in our church. One young lady in particular, she was going to a public high school right there in, in, in Downing, or the city right next door to us. And uh, it was there in that city that uh, she, she began to tell us that, that uh, she, was, she was changing out for P.E. And uh, that she started noticing there was boys coming in to the girl lockers, the, the girls' locker room, and and they were they 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 were showering with the girls. Mm -hmm. Hear me! I'm not just wasting my time tonight. I'm telling you, hell's pushing, and they may not get you, but they're after your babies. And they may not get them, but they're after their babies. They'll play the long game as long as they gotta play it. But we got to try the spirits. And let me tell you something. The absolutes of God's word will forever be absolute. I said it will forever be absolute. When God created man, he created, he created male and female. There are no other genders. There's two genders. That's it. I'm sorry if you're uncomfortable tonight. Amen. But I'm preaching as a possessed man tonight to tell somebody you better get it in your spirit that God's word is not open to any private interpretation. Oh, I'm grateful. I'm not preaching that in hatred. I'm telling you I hate the devil and I hate the lies that he wants to spit out and I hate the things that he wants to do. Hallelujah. It's a sad day when God is not a proper topic for conversation. But politics of homosexuality are. 
We're living in a world that's trying to push the church into a corner. Amen. It goes further than that. Once placed solely within our private worlds, faith becomes little more than a reflection of ourselves. Spirituality has become anything an individual desires it to be. That is not the intent of Almighty God. You see, for us to reach Anderson and its surrounding communities, we have to be full of the Holy Ghost. And I don't know about you, but when you get this Holy Ghost, it's impossible to stay quiet. If it's been a while since you invited somebody to church, I just want to tell you, tonight if you'll let God refill you with the Holy Ghost, one of the outgrowths of you being full of the Holy Ghost is going to be that you, you shall be a witness. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. There's something about this Holy Ghost that it's going to make you want to talk to somebody else. When God delivers you from drugs and you know what it felt like when you was living like a fiend, amen, in, the, in your car on the streets and God delivered you, you can't help yourself but to go tell somebody, listen, you don't have to live that way. God can set you free. Hear me, hear me as I tell you that God is not interested in you privately. He's not interested in me privately acknowledging him as something. You know, it doesn't work with my wife if I privately tell her that I love her, but I never publicly declare that love to her. I worry about couples when I see them and they won't ever hold hands in public. I worry about people that... They want to stay, you know, stay, stay a good ways away, you know, like, God bless you. <laughs> I still want the Lord to bless her, but I want him to bless her. And I want her to be so close that when, she, when he blesses her, I'm going to feel that blessing. <laughs> I just spoke into somebody's life. Whether you receive that or not, I have no idea. Marriage retreat has begun tonight. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm not ashamed of it. I said I'm not ashamed of my wife. You may not think she's all that, but I think she's all that in a bag of chips. And I... And that's my chips. <laughs> keep your hand out of that bag you know we can laugh about all that but I wish somebody felt that way about Jesus they get the needle in you on your job or you get around some family and they want to start picking on your Jesus I wish to God somebody would say hey listen not today if you knew 
what I knew. And if you knew where I was when he found me, you would think twice before you went to running him down around me. Hey, listen, I may be the only one, but when I'm in a market or something and somebody starts cursing the name of the Lord, I'll stop them and I'll say, hey, would you mind? I got my kids right here. Would you mind not speaking against that name? Let me tell you, I was homeless and had a gun barrel in my mouth and the Lord come come down and he he saved my soul if you don't mind i'd i'd appreciate if you keep that to yourself you say that's abrasive and that's crazy no amen if you if you're in love with him you have no problem being public with that love toward him i don't need camo and trying to be incognito I'm not one thing on Monday and another thing on Sunday. What you see is what you get. I'm in love and I don't care if everybody knows it. Come on, are there any young ladies that are in love with the Lord today? Do I got any young men that are in love with God? Make fun of me if you want to. Call me crazy if you want to. Tell me I shouldn't dance and shout if I, if I want to. Let me tell you, if you knew, you'd be shouting too. If you knew, you'd be dancing. If not for you, you'd dance for me tonight. Knowing the goodness of the Lord and his goodness. I will not be quiet. I will not. Somebody needs to find your voice tonight. Amen. You need to find your voice and let it be known I am a child of the king. It's an honor and it's a privilege and I'm grateful. Hallelujah. 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 I will not be quiet. Amen. I will not. Amen. I'm going to walk into the mall with my head high. Don't you worry if they're looking at you. Amen. Go ahead. Jesus is proud of you. You ought to walk in there knowing that I'm a child of the king. May be seated. 9-11 came around. One of my good friends back home, I used to own a detailing business, and he's, a, he's an insurance magnet. He's got quite a bit of, quite a book of business in the L.A. area. And uh, this, this man uh, is Muslim. His family, I've eaten dinner with them. I've, I've just loved his family. Anyways, uh, still believing that God's going to open up a door for me to win them to the Lord. Don't tell me he can't do it. Nine eleven came around, and I happened to be at the mall in Burbank shortly thereafter. And I had, I had been, you know, I was at their house on the week on weekly basis, cleaning his wife's car and his cars and their daughter's cars, and and uh, I walked into the mall and I watched as people were saying things. I noticed as I was walking. I saw them walking this way, and Mama had her babies up close, and 
people were hollering out things to them because they were wearing their hijabs. I watched as people were being ignorant, silly, just racist, nasty. And I walked over to them and I gave them a hug. I said, come on, come with me. I'll walk you all the way to your car. You know what amazed me? They weren't embarrassed that they were dressed the way that they were dressed. They still went to the mall even knowing they might be persecuted. Can I tell you there ain't nothing wrong with living right. Well, I feel like preaching tonight. There ain't nothing wrong with living right. There ain't nothing wrong with this apostolic way. This is still the best way to live. This is still the greatest privilege that I've got in my life to be one of his. Amen. When your pastor gets up and begins to preach, amen, the word of the Lord, you ought to be on your feet saying, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity. Thank you, Jesus, that there's somebody still lifting up the voice of truth in a world that's going quiet and in a world that's trying to go private. I'm grateful that there's still public declaration of the truth of God's word. hurrying hurrying tonight but the third of these is the process of pluralization and that is the process where individuals are confronted with a staggering number of ideologies and faith options that are competing for their attention pluralization is that process by which the number of options of our, for our private sphere to consider multiplies exponentially by the day. Particularly at the level of worldviews and faith. And it was and still is disturbing to me that the canopy that used to rest over our communities is gone that sacred canopy. And it has been replaced by contemporary ideology. It has been replaced and instead millions of small tents under which we can choose where we want to dwell have been placed and are constantly crowding into our world. There can be little doubt that the fuel that powered this process, at least in the United States, was something that came as our population began to grow. And it is interesting to me that with the aggregation of ideas, there has been a diminishing of the absolutes. 
And there has been an attempt to pluralize something that is very singular. Something that is absolutely exclusive. Something that is forever settled in heaven. It is this process that I worry about. This divine supermarket of ideas. We see this. You can find anything you want online. Everybody knows this. You, if you want, if you want to, if you want to go explore, you can explore to your heart's content. There is literally no limit to what a person can find in this push for pluralization. And it is interesting to me how that there has been a demeaning of revelation, or, or rather, rather a uh, uh, a reduction of. Of, of revelation that, that has happened in many quarters. I heard, heard of a story. I didn't hear it myself, but I heard of the story many times of Brother Charlie Mahaney. And he, was, he, he used this as an example, and I think it's a powerful example. He was, he was preaching and he was talking about he was, he was eating at a restaurant and Felt the Lord speak to him and direct his attention to a window. And in particular to a set of many blinds that were placed over that window. And he made the observation, or rather God impressed upon him uh, this distinction. He said, he said, Charlie, this is just like my church. They have placed the many blinds of tradition over the windows of revelation trying to control the influx of light i worry sometimes that that tradition can get in the way of true divine revelation it's easy we come to church this is what we do this is the this is the routine We've been coming here for years. We come here when Bishop was pastor. And now we're here, amen, under the great leadership that we have today. And, and uh, 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 God's been good to us. And we've got a tradition. But let me tell you something. This is way more than tradition. God intends for there to be constant progress in the church. It is God's desire to continue to reveal himself unto us. Oh, hallelujah. And it's impossible to have revelation in your life when you begin to allow the creep and the encroachment of the enemy upon the very, the very core tendency of what it is that we believe. And that is that there is but one God. Here, O oh Israel, the Lord, our God, is one one lord one faith one baptism father of all who is above all through all and in you all and we get comfortable because we hear this preached 
and we think yes we've already got that covered but the day that it ceases from being core and the day that it ceases from exciting our hearts and the day that we fail to get excited about the knowledge of who he is is the day amen that we become something other than what God intended for the church to become if the devil can get you to question whether or not there is one God or there are three gods, he's got you. And it's just a matter of time before you'll give up and walk away. Because if you tear out one verse, you might as well throw away the whole book. Can I preach about Jesus for a minute? Can I preach about who Jesus is for a minute? Hallelujah. We read about in Mark chapter 12 that there is none greater. Amen. He is great. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 22. All of the law and prophets. Amen. Hang on this one revelation. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. I've already quoted it to you. Amen. But there is but one and his name. I said his name. Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah 9 and 6 tells us that this child, this son, amen, he is the everlasting father. It is a revelation that we can never let go of. In, in Isaiah 43 and 10 and 11, Jehovah lets us to know that he is the only savior. There is not another. There is but one. His name is Jesus. Amen. His name. There are not a multitude of gods. There may be little G's in this world. But there is only one big G. And his name is still Jesus. Luke tells us in the second chapter about a savior that was born. Matthew in chapter 1 begins to tell us again, amen, about the specific name, amen, and the specific reason and who he is. He is God, amen, manifest in the flesh. John 14 tells us that he's, uh, John 14, go with me if you will, to John chapter 14. I feel like preaching to somebody tonight, amen, telling you this is not just semantics. When your pastor begins to preach about the oneness, amen, of God. Can I stop long enough to say this? Everything that looks like revival is not revival. You can't even see the kingdom until you believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You gotta have a revolution. You gotta have a revelation, amen, of who he is. Amen. He is. Your ability to see the word of God matters. Your ability to see him for who he is matters. In Colossians, he is the image of the invisible God. He is this. In Revelation 1 and 8, he is the almighty. I am preaching to you tonight that there is a revelation that is great. And it is worthy of contending for in a world that wants to water it down 
down don't you ever pressure your pastor to preach anything other than Deuteronomy 6 and 4 may be seated I'm trying tonight I think I'm making a mess more than anything else but I'm trying tonight amen the Lord got to stir in me amen before service we're living in a world that puts pressure pressure to try to homogenize ourselves to the world around us We've been called to be separate. And it's an honor to be his children. You don't want. You don't want the Pied Piper to start playing. Just because you're not willing to pay the price. I've heard folks say. I wish my pastor would let down on the standards. I wish he'd see it a little differently. I wish he wouldn't push so hard. I wish he wouldn't preach so passionately about my need to be separate from the world. In the sense that we heard a beautiful message this morning, Bible teaching. Man, brother, I've been chewing on that all afternoon. What a tremendous word we heard. But hear me. While we need desperately, we need desperately to not be critical of our world. In the sense that we want everybody to be saved we've got to give them a reason and let them know that there is change required I don't have to be ugly about truth but I do have to stand for truth FPC Anderson keeps standing for truth FPC Anderson, keep loving truth. FPC Anderson, keep falling in love daily with this process of revelation that God gives us. Oh, there are literally hundreds, and I say thousands of people in this greater area that are looking they're looking they drive by and they see cars in the parking lot they say what's different this church is having church not once but twice on Sundays what's so special about that don't quit having church don't quit coming to church quit proclaiming truth don't quit telling people about Jesus don't quit paying the price because once upon a time 
on the banks of a great river in the north of Germany lay a town called Hamlin. I'm closing today with a story that's near and dear to my heart as somebody comes to the music. Two weeks ago yesterday, I drove for two hours to go be with a family member of mine that used to preach this great truth. He was a man amongst men in the apostolic movement. He was a preacher's preacher. He was a man that had some incredible insight into Scripture. and He loved, absolutely loved. At one point, I believe he loved truth. But over the course of time, he began to compromise. He did. He began to preach things that were obviously contrary to Scripture. He began to privatize his world. He became, got in a pursuit of education. And nothing wrong with that, but he began the process in that process, he lost touch with the infallibility of God's word. He lost touch with the unchangeableness of God's word. He began to listen to a Pied Piper. He began to talk to him. He linked up with a man who used to pastor one of the greatest revival churches in the city of Azusa that the Western District had ever known. It's a man who I just attended his funeral here in the last year. I watched as my uncle got up to speak. This is a man that far, far, far from God. How do you end up in a bad place? How do you end up throwing everything away? How does a church lose that special touch? How do families go from being strong pillars in a church to being distant memories do you remember when so and so used to come this building could not contain the number of families that have walked away at some point all because somewhere the cultural currents of the world swept away maybe not all at once but they begin to 
wade in the waters that were moving way too fast. I sat at a restaurant and I watched as a man that I love so dearly tried his best to cover up the fact that he was drunk. Tried his best to keep a normal conversation going, but he was quiet. He allowed the current to pull him out. There was a point that he got to questioning whether or not there was even any differentiation between the oneness and other points of view. Begin to question certain things about God's word. Begin to wonder, is it, could it be that maybe, just maybe, I've had it wrong the whole time? You do err. you don't know the scriptures but he knew the scriptures Pastor St. Clair I don't know I don't know what happened I don't know how but somewhere he started listening what are you listening to who are you listening to this may be for one person in this house tonight but somebody's been listening to somebody playing a Pied Piper. God will, God will stop a whole service just to reach one. Because he loves you that much. There's a current that's trying to pull out some good apostolic people. Trying to get you to question some things that you thought you settled a long time ago in your spirit. God sent a preacher by to tell you whatever you do, don't believe the lie. They may tell you you can get to heaven another way, but let me tell you, if, you're, if that road to heaven doesn't include repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, you're going to be disappointed when you get to the end of that road. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's none of the name. It matters. It matters. It matters. Don't make it private. I wonder tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder if there's somebody in this house tonight that would absolutely love the opportunity to make your calling an election sure. With nobody looking around, nobody here to try to judge you, nobody here to try to put you under the microscope tonight, I wonder if there's somebody that would say, you know what, I've been feeling a tug and I don't like it. I've been feeling a current that's pulling me a different direction and I don't like it. And I'd like to make my way back tonight. I'd like to get back to that solid anchor that I've had my whole life I'd like to get back to that place amen where I know 
I know what is truth and I know what is a lie. The devil's been sowing some seed, but God sent a wind by tonight to try to get that seed of his word onto some good ground in your heart. Is there anybody that wants to reaffirm your connection to truth tonight? I wonder if there's any young people in this house tonight that wouldn't mind coming and standing around this front saying this is more than just my mama's and my daddy's religion, but this is my heartfelt conviction. What I read and what my pastor preaches, it is my conviction. This is for me. Are there any mamas and daddies today that wouldn't mind to come stand next to your children? That wouldn't mind to come pray with them today? As they begin to sing, I've come to beg somebody don't believe the lie that you're getting from this old world that we're living in. Come on, sing it. Lift up your voice. Somebody call out to God tonight. Come on, buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. Fall in love with the truth all over again. Fall in love with the absolutes of God's word all over again. Don't listen to the sound that's coming from the piper of this old world. It's a privilege and it's an honor to be a child of the King.